0: Back to the Section K podcast. Today's Tuesday, March the 10th. On today's episode, we sit down with the top earning open rider over the last two years, Mr. Adon Banuelos, for a lengthy conversation. Um, Adon is no stranger to the cutting pin over the last. Say five ten years, but really his entire life he grew up in the saddle. Uh, son of a cutting horse trainer, his whole family's involved with the sport. So uh, really excited for you guys to hear this chat we have for you today. Um, also wanted to give a shout out to Mr. Clay Johnson. Um, took the top two spots uh, in the Derby Limited Open Finals at the Cattlemen's Derby aboard. Little Metallic Ace taking the championship, marking a 221, and then um, was reserved on Ah Honey Honey, marking a 219. Uh, last week, we covered all the open results from the Cattleman's Derby and Classic out in Graham, Texas. Wanted to give a shout-out to Mr. Clay Bob, taking the top two spots in the limited open. So, we hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. This interview is brought to you by Oklahoma Steel & Wire. Committed to providing the highest quality fencing products at the most competitive prices since 1979. A family owned and operated company headquartered in Medill, Oklahoma, OK Brand is proud to provide 100% American melted and American made fencing products. Whether it's max tight horse for your turnouts, horse panels for your stall, or barbed wire and field fence for your cattle, OK Brand is the brand to trust. OK Brand Fencing. Ask for it by name at your favorite farm and ranch fencing supplier, or learn more online at www.okbrand.com. Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. We've got a special edition today, live from Fort Worth, Texas. Myself, Cody Headland, Colburn Larson, are joined with Mr. Adon Banuelos. Welcome to the show, Adon. How's it going, man? It's all good. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet, man. Thank you so much for taking the time after this busy slate of shows. I know you've been on the road a lot, and I'm sure you're happy to be home. So, thanks for taking some free time uh, that I'm sure you really haven't had here uh, recently. So, uh, first and foremost, man, what made you want to get started riding and training cutting horses?
1: Um, well, I think I knew all the way through, like, for as long as I can remember that I would ride horses, uh, there was a spell there where I really, I really wanted to rope. And, uh, that was like a, a dream and a passion of mine. And, but, uh, after finding out that that doesn't pencil out and, uh, this is now I'm very happy that I wasn't more successful in the roping, uh, because i that's what I wanted to do uh, 100%. And then I came back. <clears throat> well, I'll start at the beginning is growing up. My dad's a horse trainer. Uh, my whole family was uh, all about horses. And I've I've got some uncles that are horse trainers. And at one time, they were riding a ton of horses, living in Jacksboro. And, um, like, I mean, they'd break – Uh, 40 plus Colts a year and uh, it was like one of the most unbelievable atmospheres and such a positive vibe around there like everybody was happy for everybody and um, everybody was working a lot but you never got that kind of vibe that there was a lot of work you know but nobody would be in the house till dark and you know just everybody eating together and and uh, working together. So, growing up that way was, I feel like um, it was – I had an advantage um, when I got started and uh, showing, especially in the open, growing up in an environment that was so positive. Like, my dad never – he never really said anything negative, you know, a lot of things to work on but uh i mean i've messed up a ton of his entropy money and he'd just be like hey you know shake it off it wasn't your day and we'll do this different next time and uh really really positive so uh i went to live at the adamses in logandale nevada when i was 16 to pursue my roping you know and uh
0: Team roping, right?
1: Team roping, yep. I was heading for Austin Adams at the time, and well, I, that was the plan. So I get out there, and uh, Mr. West, which had a huge influence on my life, like he was an unbelievable uh, man. But long story short, they thought because of all the trick roping and stuff that I was a team roper, but I had never been out of the box. <laughs> And he was like, the last thing he expected was that. So he's like, well, how many steers have you ran? And I was like, in an arena? And he goes, I said, uh, not, I mean, never out of the chute. So he's like, he calls somebody and he's like, we're going to need every head horse that you have <laughs> shipped out. He made us go to uh, what he called the mother whale, which was in Colorado. Steamboat, yep. Yep and he he canceled every meeting he had he put about three years of practice on me in about four or five days like and and i mean he put everything he had into it like it was freezing it was he was so riled up that he was like sweating like (laughs) he's like that is terrible that is wrong you know just and but he was out there making sure that it happened and um uh, so i think um because of rodeoing it really helped me in the cutting because i learned how to lose um and i think that that's one of the most important things you don't have to be a good loser but you know you have to know how to process that time and um When you drive, you know, here, like, we'll drive so far, not as far, but and we'll get to show a few horses and and whatnot. And I'm fortunate enough that I get to show other people's money, you know, so it's not like I'm paying the entry fee, which sometimes that makes me a little bit more worried because it's not my money. But uh, in rodeo, like, you drive eight or ten hours and you could screw up In a second and a half,
0: or maybe not you, maybe your partner,
1: or maybe not you. You know which, which is
2: even harder to process. Probably sometimes
1: it it is unless you know that person's doing everything in his power. You know then then you feel bad for them, but uh, but driving all a lot, a lot of driving for you know maybe you broke out so your run hadn't even started and you've already you know you're screwed. You know so uh, learning how to process that was. It paid off big time in the cutting for me.
2: I wanted to backtrack a little bit, and you mentioned your trick roping, which I remember that when I was a little kid seeing you in the Quarter Horse News standing on top of your horse with Boogie with no bridle Mm -hmm. on. And and tell us, how did you get started into the trick roping and performing at the big cuttings and stuff like that? Uh, Well, I was the last one to find out
1: about (laughs) that. Like, my dad Mm – I put a lot of time into practicing that as a young kid, and uh, when I kind of got going with it, my dad hired a guy. My dad went to drop somebody off at a bus station that was going to Mexico, and there was this guy that was there that his ride didn't show up. So they get to talking. This guy was coming down to put a clinic on for like eight or 10 kids, and he was gonna make X amount, and but his ride wouldn't show up. So my dad said, I'll pay you what you were gonna make, come spend these two weeks with my son and just worry about one kid. So I was pumped, you know, he shows up with three suitcases, the smallest one had clothes in it and the other two had ropes in them, you know, and so we, we by about the fifth day. How I, old were you? Uh, was, I want to say maybe 10, 9, 10, somewhere in there. But by like the fourth or fifth day, I didn't want to see this guy even in a picture. Like (laughs) I was exhausted, you know? And he's like, that's all he had to do, you know? But I thought my arm was in shape and it wasn't. Like we went through it. And if it was raining, we'd go in the living room and then we, you know, this, that, whatever. But uh, he, now looking back, it was awesome. And uh, so my dad, he especially in augusta and steamboat but in augusta one time he told uh mr morris that that i would perform and then he told me after you know so (laughs) so the second year that i did it i had this horse there and i was feeling a little more comfortable and i was standing up on this horse and doing these rope tricks on him and uh i took his bridle off like two minutes before, and never I didn't know what he was going to do. Uh, and so we just kind of risked it. But uh, Bill Horn trained this horse, and this horse, like I said earlier, was like my best friend, you know, like loved this horse. So I knew that he wasn't comfortable with it, but I kind of had a feeling as a kid you think these things like, oh, this horse got your back, you know. So this horse would slide so far. And I did it with no bridle, spin him around. So now I got him all jacked up, you know, and he's like, I can feel his heartbeat in my spurs. Like, so I stand up on him and he just kind of freaked out without moving the whole time. And it was like, as a kid, one of my favorite memories, you know, like that it worked out and, and it wasn't just super embarrassing. So, but my dad's the reason about all these things.
0: So you mentioned your family uh, being in Jacksboro and just the, the camaraderie of everybody working together. And um, that's kind of one of my favorite memories of me getting into cutting is uh, of course it's well noted on this show. I've mentioned that you, your dad and your uncle Diego as well as your uncle Carlos have had a huge hand in just my love for cutting my love for horses um, but that's one of my like, most favorite memories is at the end of every day in Jacksboro at the Banuelos. It doesn't matter what everyone's doing. Everybody would meet at the Rock House. Uh, mm-hmm. They're at the old vet clinic, and we'd grill, cook, and just hang out, talk. Um, to me, that's one of the coolest and just kind of a rare thing you don't really see in, say, like American culture today is an extended family Everybody lives within a stone's throw of one another. Uh, you guys had three or four places right there, counting your uh, Uncle Chava's place. Everybody hung out. Everybody got along. Everybody helped. And to me, I think that is something that's really cool and just super rare to see in our culture today. So,
1: um, yeah, Touching on that, so I think that's where, like today looking at work, um, what we do is – It it gets kind of draining, you know, but like me, I don't feel like that I've ever really worked, you know. And I think that like the way that I look at this at this horse training is like I just kind of go out there to piddle around and mess around, you know. And and um, because of that upbringing, things just happen like you it's you don't create a stressful working environment. You just you do what you love and these horses just get better, and, you know, and uh, the ones that don't, I mean, you know that you did the same, you know, as to the rest of them. So um, I think that that's a big, huge part of what I was saying, like growing up that positive to where nobody's really working, but if you're looking at them, they're busting their butt,
2: you know, like – so, yeah. So you went to the Adamses, and, and you and Austin roped together for a couple of years in the high school – and pro rodeos, what brought you back to cutting?
1: Our One of our biggest mistakes rodeoing was that our first pro rodeo, we won it. <laughs> so we decided at that point to go ahead and uh, get our cards.
2: How old were you at this time? Because you have to be 18 to get your card. Is yeah, that
1: correct? I, I think uh, 18 or 19, right in there. So we go to Pahrump, uh Nevada, we win this rodeo. And uh, our traveling buddies then was Camus Jenning and Dennis Gates, which we call Mule and Camo. But, uh, and they, they were unbelievable ropers, you know. Big and, reach. Yeah. So after, after we decided to go ahead and get our card, well, we found out how not prepared we were for the pro rodeos. And uh, I think that if we would have waited till the next year, and we'd have kept going on our permits instead of a card that we would have been seasoned enough and more competitive but when it didn't pencil out and i had kind of credit card bills that from just from being fined like you'd have to plan so far in advance and enter and then not show up and they'd send you a fine and a fine and so anyway i had like six seven thousand dollars in like just fines you know so That wasn't working. My mom, it was on my mom's credit card and she was making me very aware of this, you know? So uh, when the millionaire deal came up, there was, we had this turn back horse who was a millionaire and uh, it was there in Vegas. So it was close to where we were. And my dad asked me to work it to see if I would show it. So fair, I was like, I I think so, but I don't really know. So Farron works in one time, and he's like, absolutely, you know, show him. So uh, I won it. On his name was Bam Bam. Uh,
0: Do you remember what that paid when you won it?
1: I want to say it's like sixty. Uh, I want to say it's right in there, like sixty grand, and uh, that horse till last year was the only horses bucked me off since I was 16 like this horse was awesome but very very opinionated very like not a nice guy you know so <laughs> anyways uh so this is after we were roping on him that we did good and uh that's when having that and getting to you know give my mom back some money for everything and my dad got the rest of it like so, uh, he's like, I told you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, Farron really told us, you know, we were kind of like not one to put the money up, uh, but it worked out. So I think that's whenever I started making my way back. Um,
2: and, uh, then for a couple of years you showed in the non-pro, uh-huh. uh, Mr. Ed Hardy, I think is one of them. And then yep. you won the. B.I.
0: 5, 6-year-old. Reed's um, Instant Magic or Reed's uh-huh. Instant Choice, one of those two? Reed's Instant Magic,
2: yep, uh, another Abermare. How long did you show in the non-pro once you came back from, from roping and all that and then giving up your card?
1: I'm not 100% sure, but I think uh, at least three years. I want to say like I was maybe 23 or four uh, when I swapped over and um the non-pro was the non-pro was awesome and uh and because i got to kind of train under supervision my own horses um i was kind of building towards after i came back from i knew what i was going to do but it was just there was a lot of patience involved you know i waited three years but it felt like 30 you know i was like let me in you know and My dad's like, no, not yet. And so, um, actually I'll tell you one time I was got so conky that I thought my stuff was tight. You know, I thought like I was doing everything perfect in the non-pro working this horse about to go to this fraternity and Mr. Mike East, he would, he's always let us go up there and get ready for the fraternity. So that's where we were. And, um. This horse's name was Akuna Matata. And so we're working, my dad and I are, in, uh, at Mike's. And I was like, Dad, I got it. I was like, I understand, you know, like all these guys, you know, they're messing with the hip and the shoulder and, you know, bending at the pole. And like, I even learned the lingo, you know? So, uh I was like, you sure you don't want me to work yours? <laughs> I tell my dad this. He's like, no, I'm just gonna show up a little green and ranchy, I'll, uh, you know. And he was trying to hint to me the whole time, that's too much, that's too much. And I mean, I was dragging this arena, dude. This horse was stopping so big. It's like, I was like, okay, you know, good luck. Well, <laughs> We get to the fraternity and I show and this gal takes off She's going pretty fast across the pen, and I'm like, I've been practicing this. You know, like, watch this. So this horse hits a monster stop and zero turn. Like, you might as well have tied him in the corner. Like, no clue there is a cow out there. So my dad, he's like, this is one of the times where he wasn't quite so positive. <laughs> he, we walk out, and he's like, Don, I've waited long enough. What are we training? And I said, horses, dad. And he goes, no, no, no. What are we? I said, cutting horses. He says, you forgot the cutting part. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, who gives up if they don't turn? Like, you just, this is terrible. This is not what I wanted to raise, you know? Like, I don't want to raise a horse trainer. I wanted to raise a horseman that would get what he could without disturbing like a horse should never do that so anyway it was a pretty low moment for me (laughs) and i think we got better yeah i'd say so (laughs) but there's nothing like those those moments in public like you can screw up so many times uh, at home or and the reason I work so slow is because I screw up six, seven times of work, but I do it at a pace that is very forgetful uh, for the horse to forget. But, like, for us and, and a human mind, when you screw up in public like that, it's, it's like painful.
2: you don't forget exactly, yes. I remember when I was showing my cat at the fraternity, and I was – I can't remember where I drew in the finals, but I had a pretty good draw on Obviously, he was probably one of the best horses that I might ever get to ride.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think it was my first cut. He hung up in the bridle. But I also, like, don't even remember if I used my feet. Like, don't even remember if I tried to help yeah. get his nose. Get I just yeah. get, get the cow. Like, that's it. That yeah. Like, I reverted back to when we were shown in the youth. Yeah. I was just like, get the cow. <laughs> and we end up, I miss my cut. And... Walking out of there, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was 23, 24 years old, and I was just thinking, man, that sucked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting at a barbecue with Johnny Mitchell, like a week after the fraternity over at his house. And he said, you're going to never forget that. Yeah. And at the time, I was thinking, man, we thought we had this really good horse. Dad had some bad luck in the open fraternity finals. I made the non-pro fraternity finals. We didn't even mark a score because – I don't even know if I yeah. tried to help him, and it was kind of that same thing. It wasn't right there in the moment, but like later on, I thought about it. Like, I I still obviously have never forgot that yeah. because of what he said, and it made me think about it even more. And it's
1: probably made you a lot of money since then. Like, uh, I think that's that's a huge part of what what we do is adjusting from your worst moment positively, you know, and just uh, next. You know, like, don't – you can stay there. There's a place in your head that can get so dark with that that it'll eat you right up. But as soon as you're just like, well, that was really bad, and the odds are I'm never going to do it again because it it hurt, you know. And, um, and like, another thing, like, in the – my dad – We'd be at these cuttings and my dad would just be walking down like, Hey, does your horse cut? Like your turn back horse cut a little bit? And he's like, Can my son show him? You know, like from as my very first memories, like really young. So so you also get to leave your hand down at that age trying to manipulate your way through a run, you know, and uh, I'd be like, I remember half the time I was showing I'd be like, can I pull yet? And he's like, no, leave your hand down. And he still hates when I Like, I'll go to a weekend show and pull on every single horse just to make sure that we're ready. And my dad's like, do you not like money? <laughs> he's like, you're doing fine. I was like, well, I felt something. He's like, it's okay to leave your hand down at these things. And my dad, he will definitely leave his hand down. I'll be like, Dad, will you please go pull on this horse in the show pin? He's like, he was amazing. Like, he was better than I've ever seen him, you know, and my dad's so positive. Well, and then we'll go to the next show, and I was like, you. I really wish you would have pulled on him. (laughs) 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 You looked good, and I didn't.
2: Uh, I I wish I could remember the saying that my dad told me a long, long time ago when I was a kid that Ascension told him, and it was something like, you never, you never know if it's your time unless you enter or I'm sure you've heard it at some point or another, oh, but it's something shit. about like, you can't win if you're not entered or I, I don't know. It was
0: it's kind of along the lines of scared money don't win money.
2: Yeah. Like my dad was saying something like, like he wasn't sure if this horse was ready or mm-hmm. something like that. And the sense was like, well,
0: yeah. you won't
2: ever know if you don't enter. That's right. You yeah, know? exactly.
0: Well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. We're talking about three-year-olds here. Um, uh, just kind of feeding off what you were talking about being down at Mike Mikey's place and, um, whether it's smart time, Pepto 10 here, blue docs, calm back in the day, um, slow ride. It seems like you're in you also, obviously with uh, bad Moon rising and twice in Santiago, uh, the last two years, um, being consistent at the faturity is kind of in your blood. Um, what draws you to the big fraternity? Why do you think, um, why is that everybody's goal? Um,
1: well, I think, it, you know, for me, it's like you grow up knowing that's the ultimate prize. Like, uh, it's all it's all you work for really all year. Um, and um, I think that the futurity is one of the easiest cuttings that we go to and so difficult at the same time you know and i think that it's really easy especially the younger the person it's really easy to overwork for the fraternity and um and i think that especially what i imagine judges um, are like at that show more than anywhere else is that if you know if your horse looks pretty plain and patterned and it has a miss like that is getting checked off for sure you know and i think that if you've got a horse that looks really unique and maybe you're kind of not as trained as you would like him to be but it has a miss and it exposes something that really cool about the horse that you may have not seen without that trick from the cow or whatever i think they'll let a mess slide sometimes or not be as hard on you just to get to see that horse again you know and uh, and so i and i don't i don't want to i don't want it to sound like i think the fraternity is easy but i just think that we really sometimes over overdo it to prepare and it'd be a lot more positive and and the horses show up a lot more curious if we just kind of you know, no big deal. Yeah.
3: So, Adon, what is, uh, in your opinion, what is one of the most important aspects to training a three-year-old? Uh,
1: I'd say confidence is, like, number one ingredient. Uh, I think confidence that they feel confident. I think that you're confident in what you're doing. And um, whether it's two minutes, 20 minutes, whatever amount of time a day you get to spend on them, that it's it's about moving forward. And if you feel like there's a battle that you know, or there's an issue that you know you should work on, make sure the horse is ready before you tackle that. You know, like I think a lot of times, especially this time of year, there's some things that this horse isn't really as broke one way or you know this horse is not turning just right or not holding a stop just right whatever it is and we just go at it whenever (laughs) you've got 10 months you know to work on a small issue but we go ahead and take this horse's confidence away from him to fix something that We had 10 months to fix, and it drains the confidence out of them. And then this becomes – that horse to me becomes something to work on all the time instead of something to work with. You know, like I feel like curiosity and a horse's attention being in the game is like a student, and they'll absorb it. And as soon as you start picking on things and the horse isn't ready for that – then you just become on something to work on all year, you know, and and that horse is like, oh, we're not going in there again, are we? And it's – so I think confidence, you know, is – I think having uh, people that take your three-year-olds, a team, which I'm very fortunate, I've got a great team, that take them serious early. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean riding the crap out of them or anything like that, just that – They're not just riding them, that they're actually paying attention and communicating with you like, hey, this horse is, you know, they're all just getting into bridles and I have an issue. How do you want me to handle this issue? I think that's another thing that's really important, too, from when they get on them, a horse to act appropriate and start maturing without forcing it on them.
3: That's great stuff right there. Have another question that's a little similar, but turn it into, in the show pin, what do you think is the most important
0: factor in staying consistent while showing? Especially with the amount of runs that you probably make in, say, a first go-round of a four-year-old and a five, six-year-old? Um,
1: so, I I think that, uh, to me, it's really hard to go to a show like I just went to Graham and um, I really just went to show two horses and uh, (laughs) that's more, I was, I was proud of myself and not, I wasn't comfortable with the amount of energy and the amount of time that I had at that show. And I have a lot of respect for people that have like a horse that, even if they show a couple of others, but a horse that they go and perform at their very best, like you know, like Tatum and Tag, and you know, like just so focused on on that one animal. Like I said, they they have others there, but that's like your day revolves around that. And uh, I've done it in the past,
2: and I've I've just. It's not. I'm not very comfortable. Well, and no, I don't. You almost probably, like you were saying, over prepare because you mm-hmm. you know you have that, that one or, bullet in mm-hmm. the gun.
1: And um, and for me, uh, being busy enough at a show to where you literally don't have time to dwell on something bad or to sometimes it's really good that they call your time in a practice pen, <laughs> you know, like, like whether it's the cattle, whether it's, you know, which I've been fortunate to, I get along with practice pens, uh, just because I'm hardly ever worried about holding a line, but I think like watching Austin and, and Lloyd and, uh, these guys that kind of don't sweat the petty stuff, you know, uh, that to me is... I think a lot of us get beat before we ever go down there, pretty much. And uh, so, I think it, it, touching back on Austin and Lloyd, I've got a huge respect for those guys. Uh, just watching, I've got to learn a ton. And growing up in this business, they uh, they've always been there for like advice and. Uh, or they see you starting to do something wrong, whether it's in the show pen or in your training, and and they're kind enough to give you some advice. All these things play into, you're talking about Austin, Lloyd, I mean, these guys are unbelievable showmen. And watching them not let the worst run of the show screw up the rest of it, and being confident to where whatever just happened now's not the time to think about it or anything like you've always got to be kind of moving forward and still having a good memory for the next morning especially when you're working blocks in the morning to really remember what that individual did the day before in the first go-round and not and if you weren't happy not just going through the motions and working them the same again you know uh so and i i went through a a spell where i was making notes um after each run i would make you know hold them up to the left make sure he waits good enough you know and and then uh because i was making notes i kind of got my mind to make a mental note now to where i don't have to um and you know the uh, cutting more central has been so awesome that you can go back and watch it you know at night you know if you're not real sure what it looked like or or if you think that you were overmarked, and you want to make sure that you deserve it for the next round and it's not a fluke uh but uh i think i kind of lost you know track of where we were going with this but showing being competitive consistently Has a lot to do with your attitude, pretty much. And you'll figure out the rest, especially when you get to show this much. You'll figure it out. And horse quality, customer quality, those two, you don't really, you can have a fantastic horse with the wrong owner and that becomes uncompetitive. Or you can have the best owners and not a good enough horse and so it takes both of those things are like huge and making sure that when you go to get on your horse from I'm real picky about the way the pad sits like from all these things I hate forelocks being messed up like it'll mess me up I'm like (laughs) would you go to work with your hair like that like that's not good so i think
3: that's a normal thing for trainers because tatum was the exact same way when i helped him yeah and i always i always tried to make sure it's perfect and it never was perfect enough he always was adjusting before he got on well i think
2: think it was just because that's what he did every time he didn't expect (laughs) it to be perfect because i i remember thinking the same thing when i first started getting horse ready i always tried to have the cinch just, you know, everything. loosened off so he could tighten it yeah. and, the, and the saddle pulled up enough so he didn't have to yeah. readjust everything and it never failed. It's
1: muscle memory now. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> it
2: was just what he did before he got on a horse to get himself ready to yeah. go down there and show. Yeah. So you show quite a few horses at these age events and I feel like recently I've noticed that you have started working in the blocks early in the morning mm-hmm. a lot more than you used to when you first started. What uh? Why did you decide to get up a lot earlier and start working in those blocks as opposed to working them in their priorities? Uh,
1: blocking has helped me a lot because I can take, uh, you know, at these last few shows I've been blocking from – four to six which is the practice spin opens at six and then you still have those two hours to kind of squeeze in there but in those two hours I can do three horses or I can do 12 horses like there's no four minutes you know and if if you know a lot of horses are doing so well that you know they're going to take just like a cow two cows and then there's some horses a lot of times the better ones you wish you'd have never worked it in four minutes you know like it's just too too quick and uh, and out of respect for people behind you you try to keep to the clock it's not about you getting yelled at it's about just we're all here to compete and everybody wants a good shot at getting worked so that's where this year instead of me worrying about getting my horses worked, I've been more concerned about getting them worked as if I was at home, you know, and and taking my time, and uh, I waste a lot of time in the blocks. Like, just either I've worked these three and that one's not ready yet, and I'll just sit there, you know, like five more minutes, you know, 10 more minutes, and, and just wait. Uh, There's a lot of practice pens and the cattle and this and that really don't cooperate. And when you get that time to yourself and you know you've got a good shot at doing well, take your time and do it right. And it does come with a price, you know, like uh, a lot of times you get done at 11, you know, and your girl's got to feed it 245 or, you know, and and by the fifth or sixth day of that, like, that's a real test for your team, you know. Like us, we, we are motivated and and we're we're there to compete. So your adrenaline kicks in, and you're there and ready to go. But for them, you know, doing it for a paycheck, that it takes tough people, and uh, and I give them huge props because shout out Alexa, she's yes. definitely
0: one of the tough ones. For and,
1: sure. and but I mean, but like, you know, and like. I have a, a lot of respect for Alexa because there's been times where I'm like, so let's just do that second hour. And I know she's smoked and just tired and she'll be like, it'd be a lot better if we started four again. And I'm like, yeah, it gets me pumped, you know, like to see people, you know how tired they are that ready for you, you know, like, let's go. and. And like, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like, I love that. So, and that's what it takes. Like, you know, unless you, it, it doesn't take that. But in our situation, it does because of the amount of horses. And um, and even if you, without the blocks, you, you may not have your customers' horses prepared, you know, because all day you're worrying about working a priority instead of taking that time to make sure that the non-pro horses are ready. You know, so... And it's about the whole show. Like just because the open's going on now, we don't want to be embarrassed day after tomorrow, you know. So you have to pre-plan and make sure that you're getting everything done uh, at the right time. So that's why blocking's been good. You
0: know. So who would you say are some of your mentors throughout the years?
1: Um,
0: Whether it's cutting or rodeo.
1: Well, oh, you know that's a that's a big point. Uh, there was a. A gentleman named Kent Shazawa that was
2: Matt Shazawa's father Matt
1: Shazawa's father exactly and and uh, we lived together for a while uh, in the same apartment and he was probably one of the smartest people about m- mental preparation and Right when, like, I think he fell through some ice when he was like a kid. So it'd be 120 degrees, and he'd come out there in a sweatshirt, you know. And he'd be like, "Bring him up again," or he'd he'd literally he'd make me get off a hundred times underneath the shed before we'd rope calves. Like, do you see the way your toes pointed? Fix it, you know. Like you're getting way too wide, you know. Stay closer. Use your horse's neck, you know. This that, and right about the time that you were ready to tell him to shove it, he'd give you a tap on the back, you know? And, uh, and I think that that's, he, he deserves some credit in anything positive that, that I turned out to be as far as practicing when you're tired is so important because that's when muscle memory is created that's when you know at whatever time at the cutting or however early or late it is that you know how to manage your energy level, whether it's too much energy or whether it's really fatigued, you know you can deliver you know so i I have a lot of respect for him and and I'm really grateful for spending the time with him and um I think people like mr paul hansma uh He's been really good to me as well about there's no problem too big. You know, there's really no reason to get too excited, like just stay level. That's what I've learned off of him. I'm not saying that's the way he's ever explained it to me, but he's an unbelievable person too. No matter how good he's done or how bad he's done, You can walk over there, talk to him, and he's the same guy every single time. And he's very competitive and very happy for you if you beat him, and he's 100% going to show up and try to, you know, win. So uh, Austin and Lloyd as well, like they've – I can't tell you how many small things they've told me over the last, I mean probably 20 years, you know, and, uh, and just helping me figure out to anything everything things so small that you would think that we don't even concern ourselves with they've just been great sean flynn he's been he's been uh as far as the horses go um he even kind of yelled at me uh last year he's like he's like can i ask you a personal question and i was like oh boy what what did i do wrong and he goes why are you trying to go so fast on that horse? you know, I'd rather not say which horse, but a really good one. and he says that horse looks great the way that you were doing really well, and uh, just you know, you don't need to do more to do more so uh, and it and it was a a big moment for me because you know, for someone to take the time to help you possibly beat them you know or or be more competitive that that's a competitor to me like someone that I want to beat you at your best you know I'm not gonna if I see something I'm not gonna keep it to myself to give myself an advantage and and he's not just the guy that's the most chatty anyways you know so I it it felt great to me uh and you know like yeah I, I think TJ learning my but uh seeing how he gets a horse broke especially coming from the cow horse and putting all that together uh his horses are like some of the brokeest horses and you can get on them and anyone could get on them and just be like like you've had them you know the whole and and the horses are just really soft uh, so and, and another thing, too, is, like, you know, and like, Grant, you know, he, he – I'll be uh, – before I'd be working on something that you may not be able to see, he's like, just leave your hand down, you know. Like, stop messing with him. And uh, so it takes a little bit of everything. You know, it honestly it takes one hundred one 1% to get it to just click, so.
2: And it takes – like you said, you mentioned those guys. But also, especially Grant and TJ, they're consistently in your corner when you go mm-hmm. down there and show. And having that camaraderie and that, you know, relationship with them helps, like, when you go down there as yes.
1: well. Yes. And, and them knowing you as a person and knowing uh, you might be a little too relaxed, you know? Like, hey, let's, you know, you might be a little too amped up. Uh, and uh, them being ready for you to make a mistake, you know, they can see it coming, and uh, and like, hey, slow. We're doing pretty good. Slow down, or you need to stay here because we had a bobble. You know, just keep working. So, uh, and me having the confidence in them that they, one, they're truly in my corner. Like, and I mean, they want to see me do good and vice versa so if they say something like that it's definitely noted you know like it must have looked worse than I thought we need to work this cow longer so uh, and that's what it takes you don't have eyes in the back of your head and it's very rare that I turn around and they're not on it like I mean I'd never find a cow you know and and uh, without them I wouldn't find it and this cow like she's right back there you know and
2: perfect what as your help do they have to amp you up more or do they have to calm you down more
1: no we um there's really n- none of that i think once you get to a certain point it's um uh, it's pretty chill like it there is no it's very rare that you are in a inconsistent mood you know uh just because I'm comfortable with them, and uh, we try to keep it, I think, to where it's not draining and it you're not so picky about things that you talk yourself in, or in and out of things. Uh, and uh, they're, they're – I think maybe they don't have to because of how comfortable I am with them in my corner. So I'm always kind of the same. You know, we all get nervous, like, and I think that you must get nervous. If you're not, you do not want to win, you know, so there's nothing wrong with butterflies if you get them to fly straight, you know, so (laughs) you just got to, um, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, I love this dude. It's like the best job ever.
0: This interview on the Section K podcast with Mr. Adon Banuelos is brought to you by Dennis Moreland Tack, Tack handcrafted by Cowboys for Cowboys for 43 years and counting. Since 76, Dennis has built high-quality tack for training, working, and showing. Get the best. Get your tack at Dennis Moreland Tack. Be sure to visit www.dmtack.com. Back to the interview.
3: Hey Don, um, backtrack a little bit to uh, maybe your teenage years or, or when you came back into cutting or, and were in the non-pro um, from your either your dad, essentially you Benuelos, or one of your uncles, what are some horses that stick out to you um, that just at home watching uh, either your dad or one of your uncles work a horse that you mainly knew going to a show that they were going to go t- kick tail on that horse, or just a, a moment uh, where mm. it was kind of jaw dropping to watch um, one of the, your your dad or one of your uncles work a horse.
1: Um that's a i think that's like one of the toughest questions because there's some horses that are going to get left out because this would take like a dinner you know forever (laughs) i've been very couple dinners probably yes and very fortunate to get to see and get on that many horses uh but like you know, I remember getting to show Mary Clay's little kit uh, and Hickory's to Cheetah, uh, Mr. Alsop. He was, when my dad worked for him, uh, he was just great to us, you know. And and um, that was, those two mares stood out to me a lot. Um, Shake and Play stood out to me a lot. Uh, there was actually, there was a horse, I think, that he was, probably born a little ahead of his time that if we had him today uh and nothing like raising the cash not not comparing them but he was that type of horse and his name was i'm chairman and this horse every single day like you just it was a pleasure to watch you know and uh was really good to my uncle carlos really fun to watch um and uh, Uh, You know, my dad let me work Sweet Abra before before one of the cuttings, and I remember thinking, wow, like I thought that I had an idea of what. I realized how unprepared I was to keep up with a horse like that. Like she was not asking or waiting on when it was time to do something that you're going or you're not, and uh, and that was an eye opener. Probably my first horse that was just made me realize what was coming in my life, you know. So, and what a horse could do. And since then, there's been you know better. I've I've that was the first one that was like oh shit, like, this is big time, and, uh, uh, Cat Cherie, every time I got to show her, that was, like, unreal, watching her, you know, show and getting to ride her, and another mare that didn't do very much, that I really enjoyed was a mare named Glitter Dunn, and she was tough, like, like, I thought there, like, she's gonna run out of gas here a few times, and... And she was, her stamina and her try was like through the roof. That when she was dialed in and working right, it was on, you know. And when she wasn't, it was a, it was quite the opposite. But
0: you marked some like two twenty eights, two twenty nines on her in the Mercurias there mm-hmm. in that last year, if I remember correctly. Yep. Two thirty at Vegas, maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, yep. I think so. And and we won three Mercurias in a row, and. uh and then I showed up to the fourth one and I thought we, this mare's trained, you know, just don't, you don't have to just do a whole lot. Well, I was wrong, you know, and, and learning how to manage her energy, uh, I thought that the sun would have an effect. I thought that, you know, we have been showing a lot. She'd been on the trailer, like uh, we had a good work but I should have just stayed with it longer. There was no issues. I just didn't work her long enough, you know, to where she had too much in the tank still. And uh, but anyway, she was a pleasure. That mare, mare that uh, Tim and Missy owned. Lizzie's got a babe, um, which you know Tim and Missy have been unreal to me. They sent me my first horse. They sent me a bunch of horses. Right, right when I uh, turned in my card uh horses they knew were going to be ranch horses you know
0: shout out not sharing my lizzie though not sharing
1: my lizzie that mare mare was i mean a little rocket man (laughs) and she loved to stop like uh so you know there's there's been quite a few of them
0: so looking at the last two years here um actually just added it up in 2018 and 2019 combined you won over 1.25 million dollars Uh, In the cutting arena, you were the 2018 Open leading rider, and then you were also um, the number two uh, Open rider here in 2019. Um, What's the key to just consistency and um, being able to go to any given show? It doesn't matter the cattle. It doesn't matter the arena, the ground, and be able to compete with the best of the best. Because I think winning over a million dollars in two years, I mean – people hope to win a million dollars in their entire career and to do that on i think in 18 you had like 84 aged event finalists which to think about i mean i i hope to make 84 aged event finals in my entire life so
2: <laughs> no and it took me 29 years to win a million yeah
0: so uh, and how i mean you're you're not even 30 did you just turn 30 no i'm 31 31
1: yes sir so it it always feels weird talking about you know numbers don't lie though bro (laughs) well i need to be better about about compliments and and but we're just you know this is what we're here for so i really appreciate it and and uh honestly god's been so good to me that more than i deserve and um uh those earnings i'll tell you a funny story i haven't told it anybody really but they called me uh two weeks ago equistat called me and they said hey we want to congratulate you on your second year in a row equistat uh leading rider and i was like (laughs) i was like pumped but i said listen my numbers say that that's wrong i was like because you know sydney she keeps track of it pretty good and I said uh, I would hate to get credit when it's not there. And so they asked me, you know, the last time I showed slow ride and that they still had me on that on that horse, but um I think without you know Bad Boon Arising has been uh, one of the easiest horses to train and he's been one that i really feel like he's concerned about how we do like as a friend you know so that horse uh whenever i got to do that at the faturity it without over trying or just uh without ever feeling really feeling threatened it really opened my mind to i can do you know We haven't just been lucky, you know, like uh, we can we can compete and we can hang and
2: It's accumulation of hard work and dedication to doing something that you love basically.
1: (laughs) I I do love this game like this is like I don't even know how we get paid to do this like it's I love this game and and I think you know like and going on to that I always say that I'm 20 to 25 percent responsible of the outcome because I think your customers and your horsepower and your team deserve quarters as well. You know, like it takes all four of those
0: to do it. And, um,
1: but uh, it feels unreal.
0: So we talked about Bad Boon Rising, your first Open Futurity Reserve champion um, this year no stranger to the winner's circle here in 2020, but also the 2019 Open Reserve Futurity Champion was twice in Santiago, owned by the Double Dove Ranch. Uh, What's she been like to be around? If I'm not mistaken, is that the horse that you are working in the, I think it's a four-part training video series on cutting horse training online? Um, I think it's 60, 90 days leading up to Mm -hmm. the material. Is that the same horse in those videos? Yes.
1: Uh, She's been... She's been um, – Wes Ashlock started her. Um, I think we got her at the end of her two-year-old year. Um, it was at a Fort Worth cutting, so it might have been, you know, towards the end of the derby or at, right there at the fraternity, wherever it was. But he did he did the, the basics on her, and he did a great job with her. Um, that mare has been – a blessing to have uh and uh you know she's been like she's a real she's a tough mare like i don't mean hard to deal with i mean like she's not the biggest horse and uh she won't she she's naturally do does things with her body that she has to be mentally tough to get for her size In that position, and try to stay where she needs to on a cow. So, um, and um, and also too, like that mare gets she gets pumped up for for she's never she's a sweetheart, you know. She when we started, I thought she was gonna be a pretty hot horse, and now she's not taking hardly any riding, Um, and uh, it's just cool to. It's cool to have someone like uh, Miss Gail trust your program. You know she's that mayor's goal was to replace her mama, and um, there was uh, some people extremely interested in her that that I was uh, I wasn't sure how Gale held on to her you know and to trust me with something like that um, it's cool you know it gives you a good feeling about um, what you're doing and uh, that mare's so smart about a cow like it's crazy like I know like I know there's been a few times in a run where I'm like man I wish I wouldn't have told her to go where this cow's about not to go you know, like when I work her, like uh, sometimes it's important for me on her to make sure she stays free and tight, which is because she <laughs> yeah because she just she's she's found the middle of a cow, like naturally she finds the middle of a cow. So, in um, <laughs> the show pen. I'm like, oh boy, if you go where I told you to go this morning, we're missing this, ca-. and she won't, you know? And then, and this cow will start taking off, and, and I'm like, man, I shouldn't have worked her quite so tight, and she won't be tight. And she just, she does, she does everything she can to, to, and she's fun to watch, you know? Like, that mary has got a, a unique style, like, um, and it's cool because, you know, there's, it, as a three-year-old i remember working her a couple times and i'm like i didn't know a horse could do this you know like not that it's quick or not that it's any like it's just like this horse really wants to like go through the ground she wants to like lay down and crawl around like an arachnid like just it's crazy and um so she's just been a pleasure um that's i wouldn't even call that work like she's just been fun to to play with yeah
2: I know it's been fun watching, and I'm definitely your biggest fan right here on the Section K podcast. Because when the finals are coming up, and we're talking about four year old picks, I know you're.
0: Carson Santiago, Cody's
2: pick.
1: <laughs> well, that means that means a lot. You know, like I, I, there's a lot of good horses out there, and and uh, I I appreciate that big time.
2: Absolutely, but like just like you said, she's just so smart. Like you watch her; she's so athletic. She almost, in a, in a sense, looks like she's doing it too easy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And But you explaining it is going to make me even watch her in a whole different light now because then I'm going to try to see mm-hmm. if I notice those times mm-hmm. when yep. exactly what you're talking about. Yep. But I wanted to ask, you've said, and this has been everybody's goal that's ever grown up in this or ever done this or seen it is winning the fraternity, mm-hmm. but you've been second two years in a row, mm-hmm. tell us how that feels, and how that keeps driving you every day,
1: man, It you know, uh, and like,
2: being that close to the end goal, as you said,
1: so, so, I have zero complaints about any of that, like, I, uh, of course, I would like to finish, like, people say, man, sorry, you know, like, you were close, or whatever they say, and and I'm like, Dude, don't be telling me you're sorry, like, I'm so, and like, Gary and fun like, that man to me, for a long, long time, has, he's just been someone that I really look up to, and that's another testimony to us the way that we train and taking things that do not matter in such a personal way like like that he is a so good at making a confident seat like just he he deserved it and uh, and I was very happy to be in the same arena with him much less uh, well, second behind him
2: he's a le- he's a legend in our industry growing yeah. up the way you and i did in this mm-hmm. like we i mean we remember the picture of him on pepto even though it was before mm-hmm. we were born like, Yeah. that's what we remember of him
0: yep well, and i know the respect's mutual because i know after uh you were reserved i know uh, there's a photograph that martin took uh shout out martin langles and you guys are hugging and embracing and i mean oh, it's yeah. very evident that The respect is extremely mutual when it comes to that
1: yeah yeah and that makes me happy proud and um and so um i think we're all we're coming that close uh two years in a row is very motivating and when you when you are working your three-year-olds like and i don't want this to sound uh bad but like you get as a competitor you get wound up and and you're like dude uh, just getting started you know like you tell yourself these things and then you have some three-year-olds which I'm glad we're talking about for a minute because uh Mattel is cat but uh you have some three-year-olds that I'm like are you serious like when's when's that everybody has ups and downs you know and um this moment or this momentum that i have right now there's an end to it you know hopefully we try to stretch it as long as possible and i think it's important to when you are in a slump knowing how to get out of it but that's beside the point is is that the three-year-olds this year they feel unbelievable and they may not win a dollar like you never know you know but but i've just i can't tell you how fortunate i've been and um Miss Kathy Sullivan, she bought a Metellus cat off uh, Phil and Marianne Rapp, and uh,
0: this one out of Rayleigh, right? Rayleigh, Rayleigh.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, this mare like, I'm looking forward to what the Metellus cats do, you know, and I'm I'm happy to be, uh, hopefully, a positive influence on the beginning, uh, because she's she's a uh, really fun to work with. She's like a little ferrari like she's a lot of go and a lot of woe, you know and uh and the the guy that had her that works for phil and marianne did a phenomenal job like so props to Mattel's well, cat
2: well i will be completely honest i would not be mad if you were second on her at the i mean i would love for you to win it I would be just as happy as you are to be mm-hmm. second on that the fraternity because that would mm-hmm. be awesome.
1: Yep. Well, well we're, we're
3: rooting for first place. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks That's, bud. <laughs> we,
2: walk, we walk in there every time trying to win first. Yes sir. Yeah. But just like you said, being second at the fraternity mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing to be either.
1: Well, and, and, and I think that my, I have won a second a lot. Um, because my whole outlook on i've won second lot because i'm lucky but my whole outlook on horse training is longevity and i really would like to think that i'm the type of horse trainer that when that horse turns seven and you turn it out it's like i wish i could work a cow again you know not thank god and get me away from here but uh so also in the finals there's a Uh, that split moment where you're like do I press or do I or do I stay where I'm at and I think the last two years and how much money that I've won is because I, uh, I work horses in a way that they're comfortable but at the same time maybe they could be pressed a little bit more but not quite so comfortable. So, so, But like I said, longevity means a lot to me, so that I never, uh, without horses, they, they feed me. They do everything for me, so I won't get to that point to where I have to press for a horse and jeopardize his confidence, you know? So uh, that, I think that has something to do with it as well. Uh, and that little horse, Cadillac Rays, you know, that horse doesn't weigh 700 pounds. And uh, and he's, my dad trained him, you know, all the way to the fraternity, showed him. And uh, and that was special to see, not only to see how, you know, they tried to send that horse to Austin Shepherd, okay, when that horse was turning three. And Austin's like, well, bring him over and I'll try him. And, well, he saw him. And he's like, "Look, this, I got just the guy." So he (laughs) called my dad, you know, and uh, it was awesome. But
0: well, I'm glad you brought that horse up. Talk a little bit about that cutting at the Derby and the incentive. And I think you were last horse. Were you? Were you very last Uh, horse? I think you were either second next to, last to last or, last or second last. You were definitely the last metallic cat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, without
1: I, a doubt. I, I think I was last, maybe. But uh, that was Bobby Patton bringing that opportunity for everyone uh, was very motivating. Even if you didn't really have a horse in the hunt, just to see how. Positive things were happening, and uh to see that there's someone out there that has love and respect for the game enough to give us a shot so a uh, big shout out to him and and how grateful we all were and uh, that when that show started, which I guess it was the first metallic cat incentive uh Todd quirk he said. If you win that metallic cat incentive i'm gonna buy you that ten horse trailer that's in the exhibit hall, and you know i I heard him loud and clear, but I think that I would have never brought it up you know never brought it up even after we we did win and he was like, "You get a trailer and that was like boom you know <laughs> right. like that is That's huge right. Right. so I was like we call this horse little engine dude and I was like I mean I remember I, I had quite a few beers that night I remember going back to the stalls and like taking a selfie like you could tell that I had celebrated and I hugged this horse for like 20 minutes <laughs> like I think he held me up for like 20 minutes like he's like you've been on me enough today you know like that'll do but I was just so grateful um and uh and and like I said grateful you know for the quirks and uh and without without then giving us the quality and the opportunity like I mean you wouldn't know you know we wouldn't be having this conversation like um and you know what's what's difficult about what we do is is that this is the only thing that I know, you know. So like I said, Bobby Patton given that money up, I this has to last, you know, NCHA and cutting and everything, it has to survive and get bigger and better
2: because I'm no one without it, you know. So uh well look like I mean we were talking about the American you went to the american Mm -hmm. this weekend and if you didn't watch the american they have a million dollar bonus that you have to qualify for Mm -hmm. and two people ended up splitting the million dollars (laughs) to win 500 grand on top of their hundred grand that Mm -hmm. they won for the event and to me like just seeing the american and what it's gone through over the last couple years and how much attention that brings to just Just rodeo in general in the last
3: 10-15 years you know
2: absolutely and and exactly like you're saying like we need that for the cutting and it's gonna it it helps when people like Mr. Patton do those kinds of things to support you guys and the other owners
1: yeah and making it make sense to spend this much money on a horse let's go buy this horse well it's a lot of money well you know what we can it'll make sense if this horse performs You know, uh, whether it's as as a producer, um, as a winner, as uh, a horse that, you know, and some a lot of people know this is not a money making deal. So uh, this is something that you when you do well at because there's so many factors involved, it's really gratifying. And like watching a 19 year old and a 23 year old split 1.2 or win 600 grand a piece, that's like America. Shout out White, Casper. That is like the kid. Absolutely. But that's what America's like all about is like, and you know, we, Cowboys are the original athlete. We were here first, you know, before any sports before anything like when you want to talk about athletes everyone else came after you know so seeing these things and seeing these guys on a big stage and and getting paid a lot of money it's like it gets you going you know so uh props on them you know and and props busting their butt every day to show up there and no nerves no nothing let's go let's win at that age it takes people a long time you know to stay simple at at that level so big time props
3: Uh, Adon, uh Mm. this is kind of a topic that's been popular uh here as of late um what is i guess your thoughts on uh how the intermediate uh at the aged events is going, and also your thoughts on some of the riders that have won over a million being allowed with the rollback to be allowed to show in the inter- intermediate class.
1: Um, I'm terrible at this sort of stuff, so I guess this isn't live. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I think that it's really important uh for owners and for starting out competitors to have a better opportunity uh just for financial reasons um i like you know we had i think the John Deere um deal and um and that was it and mm-hmm. I thought that was fine the way that it was, uh, but now that that there's more uh, levels or leveling, uh, I think we should be cautious that it that you still have a shot, you know, like that that class is meant for a certain group because I've seen a couple here lately that look like pretty rank competition and uh, very seasoned, very high level uh, horse trainers, uh, which honestly, if I was eligible, like...
0: Uh, if Why you, wouldn't you show in it?
1: Well, if you give me the shot at money, let's go. You know, I'm I'm all in, so, so they should enter because they're eligible, but if I was at the other end of that deal, I would be. Oh, I would be uh, also thinking. I thought this was a leveled playing field, and it, and it looks pretty stout. So, I I am behind the the right leveling. I don't know what that is exactly but Neither there do is we. Neither do we. there is a way uh to make it to where it's good for everyone um and uh you know like Rodrigo I mean I don't care if that guy's one or not one you put him in the show pin that guy's deadly you know so it doesn't have to be in a limited or, or intermediate it's Anything he we just, just we just saw it at the cattle. He ones. just kicked our butt, you know, and uh, so, but I do think that that kind of played a quicker the the that other class played a quicker role to get him confident and showing more uh, because when he first started showing, maybe he wouldn't have got to show. Uh, without that class those better horses, you know, and then now I'm sure he's can show whatever he wants But that helped him that made sure he had an opportunity to be seen, you know, and without it Maybe people don't really know what he can do yet So it's harder to pay the entry fee or you know or get people to pay the entry fee but that was just a way for everybody to see him which I think is why People want that opportunity to show, and that is so that people can see, but they don't really have the people behind them that will go put them up against Lloyd and Austin and all these guys, you know. So uh,
2: I think it's good,
1: uh, and it needs some tweaking.
2: Yeah, I, we've talked about it on this show a lot, and, and that's kind of basically the consensus that we feel too is obviously there needs to be a spot where – and it's nothing about – taking down the competition or lessening the competition, because no matter where you're cutting, it's tough. But it's more about, to me, and, and like you just said, giving people more opportunities to win money, to stay in the game. I mean, over the past um, 10 to 15 years, we've seen a lot of people get out of cutting. Mm-hmm. And whether it was this reason or a different reason, it doesn't matter, but we've seen a steady decline in it. Mm-hmm. And and like you just said, I think it's a good opportunity for people to help them financially to make this thing work yeah, because there's all levels of competition
1: absolutely uh also too is that i think one thing that can happen that will not be healthy is that if it takes money away from the open because the last thing you want to promote is mediocrity you know and uh and I think if you're good at something, you should get paid. Yes, and the better you are, obviously, the more. So.
2: Well, and to people that – we just talked about the American, but to people that didn't watch it prior to or keep up with the Patriot and all these semifinals, mm-hmm. it wasn't like those just those guys just walked in AT&T Stadium that day and won mm-hmm. 600000 They were working at I mean, they were at the top of the co- competition that day, and that day it happened to pay 600000 and they were there but yes. there was so much work that involved into it yeah. as well. But just like you're saying, that's why people go to those events and that's why people keep supporting that, those events. That's why it's on RFD for two days. Now the semifinals is getting broadcast. Yep, And that's why we see all these guys essentially not necessarily come out of retirement, but get to going a lot more again because there's that money up again. And it's mm-hmm. created, you know, a well, buzz around the rodeo.
1: And, and, you know, too, there's, There's, um, being at the American and, and I, uh, got to meet Kid Rock and, uh, the guy that owns RFD, uh, that these guys, we have such a opportunity because of the people that we know, um, and, uh, and really if if we were a little bit more concerned about the people, uh, outsiders being entertained or made feel like Cowboys, uh, I mean, put them on them, dude. And this is – I don't want to sound – I argue about this sometimes, but I, I think that put them on them if they ruin them they own them we're paid to advise and to work and give an opinion we don't own them you know so it's important that if you go out and you buy this expensive horse that is your horse you know maybe it's not smart for you to do everything wrong all the time on it but uh I think that we can do some of that as well to where as long as they know the risk, uh, we want to be competitive, and that horse is competitive, but they have to get a little nibble of it every once in a while to stay motivated and in the game and
2: bringing us opportunities, you know. So, yeah. Well, what I find, like, what you're talking about, what I find a little frustrating too is is there's breaks at the rodeo. Like mm-hmm. they, they may not be a forty-minute settle,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but there's also time when for people to go to the exhibit hall, go mm-hmm. get something to eat, get a beer, and people look too negatively at the settling part and think it draws away from our sport. Mm-hmm. In essence, like in my opinion, it yes we could probably do some things that entertain people in the exhibit hall or something like that, and but to change the settling to streamline our cutting isn't going to give us the best product. So in essence, like we still have to think about putting on a show, but then we have to fill in things to entertain those people in the meantime, when there is that slight dead time, Mm -hmm. because I mean the American it's a, it's an event like it's Mm -hmm. a two day. I mean, it's longer than two days obviously, but, and, and they entertain everybody. I mean, they, Instead of doing victory laps, they get in the ranger and go around in the back yeah, exactly. of it. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. And that's, it's, to me, that's what we kind of need to look towards is entertaining people so they actually want to be a part of what we're doing. Just anymore. like the
0: slot cutting. I mean, you won the slot cutting. And that was like a whole spectacle in and of itself. It was like... You had all both of these. Both Cody and Adon. Yeah, both these guys mm-hmm. have won slot cutters. All metallic cats. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you have you had right. trainers and non-pros and owners pulling out horses that they otherwise wouldn't have normally brought back out had there not been that much money up to win.
2: Yeah, the second one when when they opened it up because the first one it was just age event horses. It was six, through, and yeah. six, six and under. six and under. But then the second one, I mean, that was cool. Seeing all those older horses, third cutting. I mean, how many times yeah. did we watch Boyd? Absolutely. But the open
0: made... paid a hundred whenever you won it, correct? Mm-mm. Or seventy five? Sixty. 60?
2: Sixty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the non pro paid thirty-five,
1: I, I think. hmm And uh, uh, that year in the open there was I think just two four year olds in the finals. And I think it was Spud and myself. Crumbed
0: out cat, yeah. I think it would have been cromed out cat. I'm pretty sure her Mm -hmm. and and, uh, Chapo, isn't that Mm -hmm. that
1: right? We were the only four year olds, and uh, Alvin he was pumped. He was like, yeah. And uh, that was that was a big deal. And you know, Wes Adams he he tried to do a lot for for that too. Uh, He had the same mindset about giving back, entertainment. You know, big deal. And uh, I think that. We do need to find a way, moving forward, about the settling, without taking away the quality, the quality mm-hmm. of the performance. Because
2: there's a reason that those guys, you guys, are in there settling those cows for 40 minutes. Well, I'm not in there because <laughs> yeah. cows you're get little, the well, rabies you're...
1: when I settle. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see an arena record in 19 zeros and, <laughs> in a 15 horse bunch. <laughs>
2: But, no, exactly. Like, you don't want to muddy down the competition by shortchanging the settle because the settle is a very viable thing to the quality of competition.
1: And and, – but, you know, we're also not a spectator sport as much. So, finding a way to every other, you know, in the semifinals, maybe after the first set and after the fourth – or during the – yeah, doing something – you know uh, whether it's someone that's up and coming as a as an entertainer or someone huge you know like i mean give us 10 minutes mm-hmm. it'll be worth it you know well and it's not
2: necessarily something that you have to do in the arena i mean we have the exhibit hall there's all those mm-hmm. vendors over there
0: um, we I rent mean, the whole complex out for those four shows like that's a complex. big complex
2: yeah, yeah. And, and and it's i mean right across the street and i think that there's a lot of things that that Something like that would help. Just bring people in, and because I mean, all, nine times out of ten, people that are gonna get involved in cutting, they get, just got to see it one time. Yes, it's not a constant. Oh yeah, we've been coming here for ten years, and now we're gonna buy our first yes. horse. Yeah, they see it one time. Yeah, on finals night, and then they're hooked. And they're hooked. But the problem is, is we have trouble getting people there.
1: Exactly, and that and that's important, especially going back to saying that this has to make it. You know, like the, our our world now has become so uh, so much of media has a lot to do with it and and like I mean all it takes is just uh, we I feel like NCHA spends a lot of money on things keeping us the same mm-hmm. you know whenever they can take a little bit of that and put it into an entertainment during the finals, and it would bring in, I mean, shit, if it brings in 20 people, 20 you know, more than we have. 20 more than we have, yeah, and those 20 will bring in mm-hmm. their share, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah.
3: The one thing, Adon, that I'll argue with you a bit on is I do believe that uh, it is a spectator sport in the fact that the in the open class, I don't care who you are, watching you or any uh, any of the other elite riders. It is uh, a spectator-friendly sport. And to y- y'all's point that you guys are just now talking about uh, uh, of just getting the people in the door, that's the most important part is just getting them in the door because you guys, watching you guys at the fraternity finals or any show in Fort Worth, I mean, a majority of the time, and it's really the factors mainly is in in one of the finals maybe the cattle aren't very good but there's it's very rare that i'm in fort worth at a finals and i'm not just in utter shock of what's going on in the open finals Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i i agree uh corbin i think uh i totally agree shame on me because it's i think when i when i say that what i mean is is that a lot of people you know like i've gotten to the point now where people in a gas station they see you with spurs on and they're like do you rodeo and i'm like yep because yeah,
3: because it's not even worth telling the, them. It's
1: a uh, yeah.
2: fifteen-minute conversation trying to explain them. What but cutting
1: so, is. unless they look snobby, then I'll be like, "I'm just early for Halloween." But are
2: you
0: showing out the stock show? I <laughs> yeah. heard that a million times. <laughs> but this, uh, this time
1: of year. but it's you know like if this was called Cow Horse Challenge, that's self-explanatory, you know, and uh, that's true. You know, cutting the like,
3: National Cow Horse Association. <laughs> they
1: they cutting. They think that man, that's mean. Yeah. That's why you're wearing them spurs. Yeah. You know, like. uh um, but, yeah, yeah.
2: And, I mean, we had, we haven't had the publicity that rodeo's had. I mean, the NFR's exactly. been on ESPN for mm-hmm. – I can't even – I mean, yeah. it's, I think it's on the RFD or something else. The college
0: finals are even on ESPN. Yeah, nowadays. I mean, yeah.
2: and th- that's part of it. And that, yeah. that's one of the reasons, myself personally, that I'm really excited about getting Jay Winborn hired because watching what he did – with the cow horse and Mm -hmm. the world's greatest and making that such a huge spectacle right here in Fort Worth where we're there for cuttings three times a year, like watching what he did with that is, makes me really excited as somebody who's in cutting Mm -hmm. and this is all we have Mm -hmm. going forward and and creating that kind of rush when people come in there for the fraternity finals.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and like just those two names right there, cow horse, world's greatest horseman, like those you're you're all ears it's marketable yes Mm
0: -hmm. very marketable hey the one thing that i feel like we have to talk about is three of your biggest fans ever are without a doubt your mom tiffany your two Mm -hmm. sisters erica and jessica i feel like there's got i know they have an immense amount of funny stories about you are there any good stories about whether it's your mom. I know she used to spa engine before you showed him and has had a tremendous hand in your upbringing and and who you are today and keeping you in line and all that. But, um, is there anything specific that you wanted to talk about, about those three ladies?
1: Well, Sydney needs to be in there as well because I put through her through hell, but, uh, (laughs) you know, she's like, I mean, she's a phenomenal person and, uh, she does a lot for me but my mom is she is mean (laughs) like she would slap people for breakfast if she could like and um i think growing up with her uh there was never like i'm gonna lose my child like her rule was if you can't see me you're in the wrong place you know and uh and so yes uh not I, nothing real funny comes to mind right now that wouldn't take thirty minutes to tell about my mom uh but um Jessica, which uh is a blonde on the inside, <laughs> not her hair uh is um she one time we were we were at the fraternity this is abracadabra's um fourth or Fort Worth fraternity, his three-year-old year, and uh, Jessica, we all worked, you know, like, whatever, and she's probably 10, and she, my dad says, hurry up, Jessica, let's go. She goes, well, I gotta hose off this horse. He said, well, hose it off and get in the truck. Well, Jessica took that very literal and hosed the horse off and ran to the truck, and, uh, next morning pretty early that horse tied in the wash rack and uh it was abracadabra and we were like are you serious and she's like oops like first of all oops (laughs) first of all she she felt terrible and that's how much like responsibility like that was just you know expected um at that age and you know, thank God everything was fine, and that horse was the best he ever was that day. My uncle wins the limited, you know, on him at the Futurity, and and uh, that horse was incredible. But I don't believe in leaving horses tied up, like I don't do that. But it, I can't say that that didn't help. Like uh, him just sitting there. Just, he with the was just. Track he was just meditating on why am I here and let's make sure I get put in my stall tomorrow and don't disappoint. And he won, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so anyways, Jessica said, "You told her he chose him off getting the truck and here we are. But, uh, I mean, yeah, she's, and my sisters are a 10 and that, you know, Erica doesn't talk a whole lot and she, she's, seems really sweet but she scares the shit out of me like she because she's such a good person that when you disappoint her which everything like she won't buy me copenhagen like she will she would drive to amarillo to get me a bottle of water but i'm like hey you're already at the store will you give me she, nope sorry brother i love you like are you sure you don't want like some water gatorade some sunflower seeds maybe. sunflower seeds yeah <laughs> And, uh, but, anyways, when she gets disappointed, like it hits me to the core. And, uh, I've tried very hard not to upset her, but, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're all, all four of them ladies are in my corner 100%. And, um, uh, I could not do it without them for sure. And Stephen, you know, Jessica married Stephen Finer. And, um, <laughs> Jessica, I, I was always so protective and jealous of my sisters that uh, we always had a conversation about, like, if she was going to go on a date, you know, she'd be like, what do you think? And, and she just, we were very close, both, both my sisters, and Jessica tells me one day, she's like, hey, I'm going on a date. I was like, oh, really? She says, yeah, with Stephen Finer, and I was like, I about, I mean, I, I about had a heart attack. And, um, I was like, we're not talking about this. She's like, I know what you're going to say. So no. (laughs) And like, I, I mean, it's right in the middle of the BI. Like my show was shot. Like, how am I going to, I mean, I can't, she's like, I waited till you're done showing. I was like, Jess, it's halfway through the show. So anyways,
2: right in the middle of me showing like four year old starts in a week. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, that's what you get for for uh, judging someone you don't know because Stephen is one of the best men that I know, and he has treated my sister like a princess. And there's, you know, you think there's no one good enough for your sisters, and they did great, you know, like uh, they they're married great men uh Jesse Lennox, he's probably as honest and as like he works his butt off and uh he does very best to help everybody that, that he can and he's helped me and and uh me helping him I really see like he's uh he's a great guy. So uh I'm very happy that, that they did that and You know, Stephen and I, um, Stephen bought a ranch, and I've been homeless for six, uh, like, gypsying, you know, like I leased a round pen uh, from Jerry Durant and uh, no cover. You know, we leased uh, Freddie McGee's where Clay Johnson lives now, where Russ Westfall lives now, um, everywhere. And so Stephen, he bought a place, and he gave me an opportunity to – to partner on with him, and it's a uh, it's a place that I'd never would be able to work out of on my own, you know. So, uh, huge, huge thank you that should go on record to Stephen because it's made everything just a little more at ease. You know, it's a it's a lot, you know, construction and this and that and um, what it costs, but it's like this is why we're working. You know, this is why you stay tired is because nobody's kicking you off of this one, you know, and it's cool. Oh,
0: yeah. This has been unbelievable, Adon. Thank you so much for your time. Hopefully you get to enjoy a little bit of free time, maybe a little bit of relaxation after this uh, long show streak that we just ended and get rested up for the NCHA Super Sticks. It's going to be uh, getting started here before too long. So best of luck to you, uh, your entire barn there at the NCHA Super Sticks in 2020. Thanks so much, man.
1: Thank thanks, you don. guys for having me you bet man thank y'all this was awesome yes sir thanks again. hey thanks for what you guys do for all of us too you know putting all these like you guys are doing a lot for the industry as well so uh a big thanks to you guys
3: yeah. we
0: appreciate, we appreciate that thank you thanks a don Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that chat with Mr. Adon Banuelos. Once again, big thank you to Adon for taking time out of his schedule to join the boys of the Section K podcast. That's going to do it for today's show. Um, be sure and comment on our social medias and tell us what you think about the interview today. Uh, Section K podcast on Facebook, Section K podcast on Instagram as well. We'll be seeing you folks down the road.